another edition of the UK Law Weekly podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Armours and Nottinghamshire County Council, and the citation for this case is 2017 UKSC 60. The origins of this case go back a long, long way to when Armours was a child and in the care of Nottinghamshire County Council. The council put her in the foster care of an anonymised Mr and Mrs A from early 1985 for a year, and then put her under the care of the anonymised Mr and Mrs B for about four months from October 1987. Unfortunately, during those respective periods, Armas was physically and emotionally abused by Mrs A, and sexually abused by Mr B. The basis for the case is not that Nottinghamshire County Council were negligent in the selection or supervision of the foster parents, but rather that they are still liable for the abuse. This was because they had either breached a non-delegable duty, or because they were nevertheless vicariously liable for the abuse. Both the High Court and the Court of Appeal disagreed, but the claim moved on to be judged by the Supreme Court, which is where we pick up the case. The five justices began by confirming that local authorities are not under a non-delegable duty to ensure that reasonable care is taken for the safety of children during the period that they are in the care and control of foster parents. For them, this would simply be too broad a responsibility and would also be too demanding. A look at the relevant legislation also seems to support them in this assertion as the Child Care Act 1980 allows for children to spend time with relatives or friends, and so a strict liability in these types of situations would create a conflict between the duty to promote the welfare of the child and the need for the authority to avoid exposing themselves to such significant liability. The Act also makes it clear that the nature of the duty does not relate to -to day-to-day care, but rather to arrange for foster care and then to monitor the foster parents. This is further confirmed by the ability of the Secretary of State under Section 22 to make regulations relating to foster care, but not for the day-to-day care of the child. However, when the Supreme Court turned its attention towards vicarious liability, Armas was actually successful based on the principles set out in the 2010 case of Cox and Ministry of Justice. Essentially, this meant that there were four key aspects of the case to look at and analyse, and so we'll go through each of these in turn. Firstly, there is a question of how integrated foster care is with the local authority. Given that it is Nottinghamshire County Council who carry out the recruitment, selection, training and subsequent supervision of foster parents on top of paying for their expenses, it would be hard to argue that the foster parents are on their own and carrying out the fostering activities independently. The second factor looks at the creation of risk, and again, even through a cursory examination of fostering, we can see that by placing children with foster carers, there is a degree of risk involved. The third factor is perhaps less obvious to discern in this relationship, as it relates to control. While the authority does exercise control over the foster parents with respect to approval, supervision and inspection, etc., The Supreme Court noted that in order to establish vicarious liability, there is not a need for close micromanagement of their activities. Finally, the court are also obliged to take into account the ability to pay damages, 
And here local authorities are clearly in a much better financial position to pay out compensation. Taking all of this into account, the court concluded that vicarious liability should be imposed. But it is important to note that one of the judges did disagree and gave a dissenting judgment. Lord Hughes argued that the decision would mean that vicarious liability will also now apply to placements of children with relatives and friends of the family, such that local authorities will be less inclined to actually make those types of placements that currently offer a great source of stability for many children. Furthermore, it was argued that the judgment of the majority had the potential to create a great deal of problematic litigation in the family courts. I'm not sure that that alone is a good enough reason to deny the duty of the authority in this instance. There are a lot of areas where the imposition of liability can lead to unwanted or messy litigation, but that does not mean that the issue should be ignored. Armors suffered a great deal during her childhood, and that is not something that should be easily dismissed. The other justices who formed a majority also took the opportunity to respond to Lord Hughes's other criticism, and noted that the judgment would not lead to the imposition of liability when a child is placed under the care of her own parents. The decision also relates to the law as it stood in the 1980s and not the present regime surrounding foster care. And they also noted that the court remained aware of the need not to be overly prescriptive when it comes to issues surrounding family law. Those responses are fine, but I'm not convinced that they really get to the heart of the criticism Lord Hughes was trying to elucidate. The real problem is that by extending vicarious liability in this way, there are possible unintended consequences in terms of the way that local authorities operate the foster care system. The Supreme Court did not find any evidence to suggest that their decision would discourage local authorities to move away from foster placements, and indeed there may be negligible effects because it is much cheaper to have a fostering system compared to a reliance on residential care for children. This may be true and it is unlikely that any local authorities will stop using foster parents as a result of this decision, but it is also likely and prudent that the risk of vicarious liability will be a factor for local authorities when making decisions on that subject, whether they relate to restricted budgets or otherwise. The issue is that the effect of the decision will be felt in a much more nuanced way than the Supreme Court expects. An awareness of this new potential area of liability for local authorities will possibly result in there being a lot more micromanagement of foster parents than there currently is. There are budget implications for this that authorities will have to take into account, but greater supervision might prevent future incidents of child abuse. However, the greater scrutiny will also have an effect on foster parents too, because they will be operating under a much more careful eye from the authority, and this will have an effect on the child and their perception of family life. It may also act as a discouragement for those looking at getting into foster parenting if it is going to be so much hassle. In the end, we have to be satisfied with the individual outcome of this case while remaining sceptical of the precedent that has now been set. What Mrs Armas had to endure in terms of the childhood abuse is absolutely terrible and while no financial compensation can ever really make up for it, she did say after the judgment that she felt she could now start living and that is a great result that we should all be pleased with. However, the longer-term implications are something that we should be rightly concerned about. The Supreme Court's decision to impose vicarious liability has far-reaching consequences on foster care, 
that they should have been more careful to consider. Contemplating the effect on family life for those who have often had it denied to them should be at the forefront of their mind, and the only hope now is that local authorities do not make any rash decisions and continue to understand the huge benefits that foster care can have on a child in the majority of situations. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this episode of the UK Law Weekly podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. If you do enjoy the podcast, remember to leave a rating and a review on iTunes as that really helps us out. A couple of people who have recently left reviews are SH Mac and also Anit Narolf. Um, probably pronouncing that horribly, but never mind. Thanks to both of you. Also remember you can check out the website at uklawweekly.com where you can find past episodes. Right, I'll be back next week with another case to look at, but in the meantime, bye!